Hey everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. This week we're going to talk about how to set up a Christ-centered living space, or actually how to have a Christ-centered attitude towards your living space. I know that in our culture, especially this time of year, we're starting to think ahead towards spring and summer and how to refresh our space and get organized. And that's really what we're seeing in all the magazines and in all the stores. And it's so important to have a Christ-centered view when it comes to whether you're renovating, whether you're organizing, whether you're decorating. Even if you have a small dorm room or an apartment or you have a large house, we need to take a Christ-centered approach to this area of our lives. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. What a countercultural message that is. And I know it's something that I struggle with a lot, especially when I'm in the stores and you know, seeing magazines and seeing all the possibilities of what can be done in your living space. It's easy for me to quickly grow discontent with what I have and say, oh, until I can fix my space up this way, you know, I'm gonna be frustrated. This area, again, has to be approached from a biblical perspective, or it can pull our gaze away from Christ really quickly. It is a wonderful gift to be able to set up a living space that reflects the order and the peace and the beauty of Jesus Christ. He is a God of order. And if you look at creation, you see that. You see that he loves beauty, that he loves color, that he loves order and you know you don't see a chaotic approach to the way nature was designed and so it only makes sense that we would set up the things that he's entrusted us with the space that we're living in to reflect those same qualities but it's very easy to start listening to the words of the culture the advice of the culture instead of the nature of Christ when it comes to this area there is such a phenomenon taking place at least in american culture right now which kind of says you know create spaces that you love create homes that you'll never want to leave, surround yourself with things that spark joy. Now, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with those statements, but it's very, very easy to start to think, well, it's my right then to have a space that I love. It's my prerogative to you know, have everything I want in my living space. And I should not be content unless I've only surrounded myself with things that spark joy. And that is where we start to get a little bit off track from God's perspective in this area. And as a personal illustration, I remember sitting in a waiting room a few months ago and they had a trendy home renovation show playing on the television screen in the lobby. And normally I don't really even pay attention to modern TV shows. It's not something I spend my time doing. I don't have much interest. And I think that there's very little on modern television that's edifying or God honoring. So I just kind of leave it alone. But decorating and home design shows can quickly capture my interest because there's something really intriguing about watching maybe a rundown or um, boring type of house be miraculously transformed into a stunning show home in a matter of a few weeks. It's a really fun process to watch and seeing the awestruck homeowners cry tears of joy and hug the designer who transformed their house is is just really inspiring and, and interesting to see. And another reason that I can find these shows interesting is because Eric and I have been in kind of a fix-up mode with our own house for the past several years. We've we moved into a house about 10 years ago that was 20 plus years old and it's been a challenge for us to modify the house that was originally designed for a family of 4 into a living environment that works for a growing active family of 8 and and to make enough space for six growing kids and you know having an older house there are a lot of things to fix and repair and we've really labored to be creative with the space 
space that we have and to be resourceful with our time and budget restrictions. And really, for the most part, I've enjoyed the process of repairing and remodeling our home except for those few times when I see a home design show, maybe in a waiting room. It's not something I watch at home, but sometimes just sitting you know, in a restaurant or waiting room or something, I'll see these things. And suddenly I find myself becoming inwardly frustrated. I'm frustrated that the process is taking so much longer than all those transformed in 30 days shows that you see on HGTV. I'm frustrated that we can't afford to do everything all at once, like those reality show homeowners who somehow are able to get new landscaping, outside finishing finishes, floors, walls, appliances, furniture, and decor all at the same time. And I get frustrated that our design efforts don't always look quite as amazing as those awe-inspiring renovated homes on TV. When I see those examples of those new renovated professionally staged homes, it kind of makes me more aware of all the areas in my own house that aren't quite up to par. I remember that specific day when I was watching the home design show in the lobby, I came home and suddenly it was so frustrated with all the windows in our kitchen and living room because they were, they really still are in a sorry state. They have missing hardware, they have damaged screens, they have peeling paints. And we have a lot of other fix-up priorities to accomplish before we can even really think about addressing our windows. And that left me feeling ridiculously dejected and discouraged. And then God had to remind me, okay, this is not a reason to allow your emotions to take a downward spiral. I, I immediately started thinking of two scriptures. First was, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's Hebrews 13.5. And what a convicting scripture that is, because when we start to become discontent and um, and jealous of what other people have, we're forgetting the fact that he has given us, Jesus has given us the gift of himself, his presence, his help, his comfort for everything that we need. Why would we disregard that and think, well, I have to have new windows in order to really feel good about my life? And then the words of Christ in Luke 12, 15, take heed and be aware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. And as much as I love fixing up our living space and creating a beautiful environment for our family, God has continued to remind me of a quality that I cannot overlook in the process, and that's contentment. Home design shows, magazines, blogs often make us believe that creating beautiful surroundings should be at the very top of our priority list. But God says there are even more important things to cultivate in this life, and contentment is one of them. Now, again, it's obvious from scripture and from nature that God loves order and beauty. There's nothing wrong with allowing your living environment to reflect those qualities to the best of your ability. And having a fresh, well-designed home is just a great way to bless other people as well. But in creating beautiful surroundings, we need to have a God-honoring approach, or we can end up with very ungodly attitudes in our hearts like discontentment and covetousness. So whether you're in a tiny dorm room or a spacious home, here are three biblical principles for creating your living space in a way that is God honoring and Christ glorifying. These are the principles that have been most helpful to me in finding that important balance between creating beauty and order and cultivating contentment. The first principle is that we have to remember that this world is not our home. Again, the mantra of our culture is create spaces that you love, surround yourself with things that spark your joy and your happiness. There's really nothing wrong with designing your home in a way that reflects your specific tastes and interests. It can be a fun way to express the unique qualities that God has given you. 
when it comes to your living space, replacing useless, ungodly, or tacky things with items that really inspire peace and joy is a great idea. It's a way that we can honor God with what he's given us and a way to bless our family and friends with inviting surroundings and warm hospitality, but we can't lose sight of that important truth that this world is not our home. We are not yet at our final destination. The Bible says that we are to be pilgrims passing through and that we are not to become at home in this world. Think about this. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. That is really powerful. Jesus himself is preparing a home for us, a heavenly mansion that he himself is designing. The one who created the heavens and the earth is our personal home designer. And rather than adorning our heavenly home with the latest trends in home decor, he is adorning it with the breathtaking beauty of his presence. The Bible tells us that his presence creates such glorious light that the sun and the moon will no longer be needed. That is incredible. Even the most inspiring home makeover show could never compare to the King of All Kings personally designing our heavenly home. So it's important that we never become so consumed with our temporary homes that we forget to keep our eyes on our ultimate destination. 1 John 2, 5 through 17 gives us an important reality check for those times when we are tempted to become overly preoccupied with our earthly environment. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Creating beautiful spaces in our earthly homes should merely be a reflection of the heavenly values that God has cultivated within us in a way to bless our family and friends with warmth and peace, but it should never be the focal point of our lives. We're called to more than just designing and decorating lovely homes. We are called to build our lives around eternal things. This world is passing away, and the trends that seem so popular right now will be forgotten in dust at the end of time. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, will it really matter whether we decorated our homes in the modern farmhouse style or use trendy vintage artwork on our walls. Just think about that for a few minutes. So whether you're in the midst of redesigning your home or you're just noticing the growing cultural obsession with trendy living spaces, I encourage you to approach this area of your life with an eternal mindset rather than a temporal one. Don't let it get out of its rightful place or claim too much of your attention. Look for ways that you can invest the majority of your time into eternity, not just invest in your own personal space. Now, there may be seasons like when you're moving or remodeling when home design may take more of a focus than at other times, but be sure you keep eternity in view, even in those seasons. What will really last for eternity? the word of God, our personal walk with Christ, and the souls of others. Soaking in the word of God, spending time in the prayer closet, and sharing truth with others are all things that will last long after this world has faded. So don't neglect those eternal things as you tend to the temporal areas of your life. If you're baited towards discouragement with your living space, like I have been at times, let's remember that our heavenly designer is currently preparing a perfectly designed eternal home just for us. The second principle to remember is that this life is not about us. Now, in other podcasts, I've shared one of my favorite stories from the book, The Hiding Place, about Corey and Betsy Ten Boom, when they were first imprisoned for helping Jews during the Holocaust, they were split up and put into two different 
prison cells and they were with lots of other women. It was drab. It was dirty. And one day, Corey had the opportunity to walk by Betsy's cell and just quickly take a look inside as she walked by. And Betsy had always had a gift for creating peace and beauty and order in her living environment and using that gift to bless other people. And Corey wondered how she could possibly do that in a prison cell. But this is what she saw as she walked by. Unbelievably, against all logic, the cell was charming. The straw pallets were rolled instead of piled in a heap, standing like little pillars among the walls, each with a lady's hat atop it. A headscarf had somehow been hung on the wall. The contents of several food packages were arranged on a small shelf. Even the coats hanging on the hooks were a part of the welcome of that room, each sleeve draped over the shoulder of the coat next to it like a row of dancing children." I absolutely love that story. Betsy was in a prison cell with no reason to create order and beauty, no obvious reason to even want to make a beautiful orderly environment. And yet she knew that even a prison cell could be a reflection of the peace and order of God and that creating beauty and peace would minister to the women who were in that cell with her as well as to others who might pass by. Her decision to create beauty within her prison cell reflected the hope that was in her heart. Despite her circumstances, she did not give way to despair and hopelessness. Because of Christ, she had purpose and joy even in the darkest of places, and her surroundings reflected that inner reality. Many lives were changed as a result of her example of creating beauty in her prison cell. When we create beautiful spaces for selfish reasons, it quickly becomes all about us, our preferences, our tastes, and our comforts. But when it's done to bless and serve others, that's when our home design can really reflect the nature of Christ. Home decorating shows and magazines send the message that we are entitled to having spaces we love, that we can't really be happy until we have our dream home. But Jesus' message is very different. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And deny here means to to lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. Long and short, this life is not about us. When our lives center around satisfying our desires and chasing our own dreams, we're not living as God intended us to. So I encourage you to prayerfully consider whether your approach to your living space and decor reflects a selfish mindset or a selfless one. Why are you buying that decoration? Why are you reading that design magazine? Is it to satisfy your own whims or help you bless and serve those that God has placed in your life? Or maybe you're someone who hasn't given much time or thought into your living space and it's actually a hindrance to your life and to others. And again, that might be something that God wants you to focus more on so that you can be a blessing to others. If God convicts you to selfishness in this area of your life, look for ways that you can reverse the pattern. Can you begin to use your living space as a place where others can gather and be refreshed? What are some specific ways that you can share what God has given you with others? If you have a family, are there maybe ways in which your living space can better serve them and not just your own desires? Do you need to cut back on watching design shows or reading certain magazines in order to cultivate greater contentment in this area of your life? Ask God to cultivate a selfless attitude within your heart as you approach this area. Let home design or living space design be a way to serve other people rather than just your own desires. And remember that the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the last principle to remember is that living a poured out life requires sacrifice, and it may touch this area of our personal living space. In other podcasts, we've talked about the poured out life that God has called us to as set apart women. Scripture is very clear about living an outward focused life, looking for those that we can serve and lay down our lives for just as Christ laid down his life for us. Now, living a poured out life will look different for each of us, but one thing will be the same for anyone who chooses to say yes to this calling 
making personal sacrifices will be asked of us along the way. And how this has affected me personally is that God had led Eric and I into adoption as a specific step of obedience quite a few years ago as as our family began to grow. And as a result, we have two biological children and four adopted children. And when we first adopted all of our children at different times, I really thought that the greatest challenge would be affording those adoptions in the first place. And we watched God miraculously supply for the needs that we had during those four different adoptions that we walked through. But now, years later, I've realized that paying for that initial adoption process was just the beginning. The financial challenges of having so many children have continued and even grown as our children have gotten older. If we hadn't adopted our four children, we were only raising our two biological ones, day-to-day life would actually be much more affordable because going out to dinner is far more expensive with eight of us than only four of us. Buying a car that seats eight people is more expensive than a small, efficient four-person vehicle. Vacations can feel almost impossible to afford when we have to multiply everything by eight. Paying for sports and music lessons and medical bills and clothes and school supplies for six children adds up very quickly, and our grocery bill seems shockingly high as our kids get bigger and eat more. And sometimes there just isn't money left over for creating the kind of home environment that I envision sometimes in those idealistic moments when I'm reading Pottery Barn catalogs or Magnolia Magazine. And it goes without saying that I wouldn't trade our adopted children for more room in our home design budget or for anything else in this world. But there are times when looking at home decor magazines or catalogs or seeing a few minutes of our home renovation show in a waiting room can serve as a painful reminder of things I'd love to be able to do in our living space, but I just can't afford to. And in those moments, I found that it's vital for me to remember that the poured out path that I have chosen and gladly and willingly embraced for the sake of Christ requires those personal sacrifices that come along with it. And those sacrifices are to be just as willingly and joyfully embraced. Whatever specific path of obedience that God has called you to, it's important to know that there will be sacrifices required along the way. You may have to say no to something that the world really values, like having a living space that you never want to leave, in order to say yes to something that is even more important in God's eyes, like giving of your time, energy, and resources to rescue a soul in need. This is a very different mindset than our culture's obsession with personal happiness, and sometimes it's easy to forget that we are not put here on this earth just to enjoy life and live comfortably. We are here to love and serve sacrificially just as he has done for us. If God has you on a path of personal sacrifice, and if you've had to say no to things that you would love to do in order to say yes to things he's calling you to do, and if you've chosen a harder road than some that are living for their own personal pleasure— I want to encourage you with some precious promises from God's word. He will repay, he will reward, and he will honor those who honor him. And that's what the Bible says. Your living space may not be featured on Pinterest or Instagram, and you may not be able to buy every trendy new pillow or clock that captures your interest, but the King of all kings is well pleased with your sacrificial love, and you will never regret anything that you give up for his sake. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. In scripture, Martha, who was the sister of Mary and Lazarus, was very likely an excellent homemaker and hostess. Probably if she had had her own show on HGTV, it would have been a very big success. She could have had her own brand, her own magazine, because she was a great homemaker and knew how to throw really good parties and have a lot of people over and manage a big crowd. But she became so preoccupied in creating beauty and order in her temporal environment that she lost sight of what mattered in light of eternity. She chose beauty without contention 
refinement, and she looked for satisfaction in her homemaking success rather than at the feet of Jesus. So by God's grace, may we not make the same mistake. This world is not our home. This life is not about us. And the poured out life we are called to live requires personal sacrifice. With these truths in view and in focus, beauty and contentment can walk hand in hand. If you would like to learn more about a Christ-centered life and bringing God's principles into every area of your life, I encourage you to join us for our upcoming Set Apart Conference, June 7th and 8th at our beautiful campus in Windsor, Colorado. If you'd like to learn more, visit setapartgirl.com. I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.